Hello and welcome to Behind the Buyouts, the deals podcast where we sit down with a leading private markets investor and drill down into their buyouts and venture capital deals. Thanks everyone for joining us. I'm Steve Jelsey, senior private equity reporter for The Deal and the host of this podcast. Today, we're joined by Cassie Nielsen, talent partner, and Wayne Wu, general partner, both at VMG Partners, the San Francisco-based private equity firm. VMG is well known to the deal with a stable of consumer brand deals. One example is the sale of cosmetics company Drunk Elephant Holdings for $845 million late last year to Shiseido Co. The opinions of both Cassie and Wayne Wu are theirs alone and not that of VMG Partners. The firm was founded in 2005 and is managing about 20 companies. Cassie and Wayne, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. So Cassie, you've recently been promoted to the title of talent partner from vice president of talent. You work with management teams at portfolio companies with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Congratulations. And tell us how your role is changing at the firm. Thanks, Steve. Well, I would say that Wayne and the other partners have been focused on talent and on diversity well before my role existed. I think the fact that they brought me on four and a half years ago is a, is a testament to that belief. And this promotion is really just a continued evolution of doubling down on that type of work. The heart of what my team does is we focus on building the strongest team possible because we we truly believe that there's a, a high correlation between the strength of the team and the eventual outcome of the investment. And over the years, we have expanded that work to a philosophy around what we would call first time right. We're increasingly doing diligence so that we really can understand what the team's gaps and weaknesses will be before we ever invest. There's a lot that we do proactively in the industry to help non-VMG companies and operators. And increasingly, we've had a lens on how we can ensure that our teams are more diverse. So that's a lot of where we spend our time more recently. Is there any resistance ever at portfolio companies to this type of thinking? Or is this perhaps the opposite, where they really want to diversify and they want to partner with VMG to help do this? With the types of companies that we work with, inevitably team is something that they want to make sure they get incredibly right and they haven't always had the resources to do so. It's not uncommon for the founders that we work with to sometimes literally take grandma's recipe and before they know it, it's bigger than they ever imagined. They've cobbled together friends and family, the most loyal of folks, amazing athletes, people that wear a lot of hats, but where they haven't necessarily had the resources is to to hire folks that have done this before. So they're incredibly receptive to get access to operators that we know are incredible, but also to learn from us on how to make sure that hiring process is incredibly strong. Okay, so VMG also co-founded the Women on Boards Project. Cassie, you're executive director of the effort. Tell us about that. The deal has been very active in reporting the lack of women on boards around the U.S. And I didn't realize that it was also an issue, not only in the big corporations, but I guess in the smaller companies that VMG invests in, or just tell us about that effort overall. Yeah. The reason we focused on this is because 70 to 80% of purchasing decisions are made by women, yet 
I wouldn't say that the boards of consumer companies are at that type of level yet. In fact, we're not even at 50-50 parity quite yet. So that was the reason behind starting this. I think the big unlock for this being successful is the realization that to really increase gender diversity on consumer boards, you've got to get the buy-in of the investor community. So obviously, VMG has been an incredible partner and sponsor to this, but we also recruited El Catterton, TSG, Encore, ACG, uh, Swander Pace, and Circle Up, which I think is in and of itself a huge accomplishment. I don't think there's really an example in any industry of seven, in some ways, competitive investors working together towards a common goal. And then we, whatever we did, we wanted to make sure that it was measurable and we could really point to the impact that we've made in the industry. So we decided that every six months, we would recruit 20 companies that have pledged to add a woman to their board. And in turn, these companies get incredible resources. First, we kind of had to educate them on how to add a woman to their board. We've really thought creatively about how to do that. Sometimes it means adding a board advisor that is paid. Sometimes it means taking an investor seat and hiring a woman to sit on on that investor's behalf in that seat. But the second part is, where do you find these incredible women? Thankfully, that is something, you know, through the work that I've done and my team has done, but also one of our fellow board members, Brianna Brown at Stripes, we have just a deep ecosystem of some of the most accomplished, incredible women. And so by being part of the Women on Boards project, these 20 companies, we sit down with them to develop a scorecard and then make introductions to five to 10 incredible folks that fit that scorecard. So it's been quite successful so far. Is this something, you know, we've heard a lot about it on the corporate level with the big corporations, but this is something that's also important in the lower middle market and the middle market, right? In some ways, at this level, the board has an even greater opportunity to impact the trajectory of a company. Of course, it matters at the public level, but I think part of what makes this attractive to these new board members is they really have an ability to make a quick impact and really help these companies succeed through functional guidance or expertise that they have through organization on or team by coaching the founder. It's both rewarding, but you also can make a, a significant impact. Cassie, VMG has a Black Lives Matter statement uh, on its website. Certainly the year 2020 has been a big one for racial issues and equality. Uh, We've seen the Washington Redskins renaming itself, for example. There seems to be a shift in how private equity firms are addressing these kinds of issues, and VMG is at the forefront of that. Why are things like equality and ESG so important to VMG and other firms nowadays? Yeah. So what I would say is, although VMG is is taking a very calculated approach to responding more recently, the work related to this that we've been doing started long ago. I, I think first it started with the composition of our own team, which is incredibly differentiated If you look at our website and you compare it to a lot of others and what we look like, and I think that's an important part of it. The other thing that brings me a lot of hope, though, is that if you look at just the Black and the Latinx consumer, their purchasing power has increased from just over $500 billion in 1990 
to 2.8 trillion in 2018, far outpacing the white consumer. So not only is there a moral ethical and values reason to be doing this work, but there's also an incredible opportunity to be better serving this consumer that's growing rapidly. So the the approach that VMG has been taking is to think very carefully and calculated about how we can keep increasing what we're doing. We're assessing every part of our business. And I would say the two themes that we've particularly been focusing on is dollars and people. Um, I would kind of point, we, we didn't necessarily invent this. There's already a growing trend around make the hire, send the wire. But for us, we're not only looking at dollars in terms of where our investments are being made. We're also looking at where we receive dollars from. And then on the people side, we're looking at our own team, the teams of our portfolio companies, and then also what we can be doing um, in an ecosystem sense that's replicable to increase representation across the industry. So your emphasis will help VMG connect with people of all types in terms of products and companies that you own, but also how does it help you in terms of your maybe winning deals? I think there are far too many examples where a woman founder or a black founder is sitting across the table and no one else at the table looks like them. So I think that's one important factor is the hard work that we've done to make sure there's representation on our own team. And I'm not saying we we're perfect. We still have progress that we need to make. But I think you can see the results of our emphasis on this for years. But I also think that because of that, we understand that founder's journey and it helps us navigate what they uniquely will face, but also the consumers they're hoping to serve. Okay. Cassie, talk about a life event, accomplishment, or career catalyst that guided you into private equity as a profession. So one example that I would share is actually how I made my way to VMG, an example full of imposter syndrome, which I like to share because I, I, I think it, it's very relatable to a lot of folks. So when VMG reached out to me, they had hired a recruiter and the message that he sent to me was networking around this VP of talent role at VMG. And I sincerely didn't get the memo that he wanted to talk to me about the job. I was just so excited to be supportive to this investor I admired so much. I actually recommended someone else for my job. And thankfully, he was kind enough to say, that person looks great, but so do you. Can we talk? But I just think it's an important one because there's a lot of candidates out there that they can relate to the imposter syndrome that can happen. They don't necessarily believe that the impact they've previously made has made them qualified for a job. I would even say this is a little bit more of a junior example, but men apply to jobs when they meet 60% of the job description criteria. Women or minorities apply when they meet 100%. So I'm very grateful that that recruiter and that VMG believed in me and continue to have the conversations um, and have given me this, this opportunity. Okay, Cassie, that's really interesting. Let's shift to talk about the history of the firm a little bit. A couple of deals that stand out are Intersection Lilies and Velocity Snack Brands. 
and building the teams at both of those companies. Wayne, did you want to tackle that one in terms of how those, how those deals kind of uh, stand out for the firm? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the evolution of BMG, I think where we've been most well-known has been on the growth equity side of things related to CPG. So branded food and beverage, personal care, beauty, pet food, pet treats. And with a goal of partnering with a, a founder and entrepreneurial management team to help build an iconic brand and great business model with the ultimate outcome of being acquired by a strategic buyer, as you mentioned earlier, such as Drunk Elephant acquired by Shiseido last year. The other two areas that we found interesting as, as the CPG space has evolved is within our growth fund, also building roll-up platforms or a consolidation opportunity. And, and what we've observed is you have an industry where there's been so many brands that have been pursuing a, a strategic exit of their own brands, but for one reason or another, they just don't meet all of the criteria that makes them attractive to an, a strategic at a given time. So, but it doesn't mean they're not a phenomenal brand or there's a real consumer passion for what they're building. But where they may be a lot more efficient under one roof, under a brand family and one theme. So the first one we've kicked off is Velocity Snack Brands through the 100% acquisition of Pop Chips about nine months ago. And what we're building there is a better-for-you snacking platform. Three pillars, salty snacks, sweets, and nutritional bars with a goal of building one singular management team that is really scalable, player coaches, and their ability to, to run a lean yet effective team across multiple brands. And we think that's a really exciting opportunity across some other categories as well that are focused on different verticals. And then we also launched our VMG Catalyst Fund last summer, which is a consumer technology fund, more of the venture stage as well. And the rationale behind that is the consumer continues to evolve. And as Cassie mentioned, not only in terms of their, their demographic background, but also how they discover and interact with brands and services. And so as a result, we think in terms of our overall BMG franchise, we think we're only focusing on only the CPG brands. We're missing out on a huge opportunity to help be part of the transformation of how consumer companies and marketplaces are built. And so much of that is technologically driven. So we have a fund and a team that's solely focused on consumer technology, either through the tech stack, marketplaces, et cetera, which we believe that we bring a differentiated approach into that ecosystem because we have real brand experience. But on the flip side, we can help support our brands in a much more thoughtful way in terms of the technology that we will help cultivate and build through our catalyst fund. So we're really excited about the evolution of VMG over the last 15 years. Again, starting with the foundation of growth equity and CPG, now into an evolution of some roll-up platforms through our growth fund, but also a separate fund in our VMG Catalyst, which focuses in consumer technology. So the Catalyst Fund is $250 million. Can you give us a range of investment sizes from that fund and how that differs from your other fund? For our growth fund, we've written checks as small as sub-5 million and checks 
over 200 million. And we play a really wide range of check size with a common theme of entrepreneurial brands that we think can become iconic brands. On our catalyst side, they generally range on the smaller end of that check size range, but it's, it's less about the check size, but really around the types of companies that we're partnering with within our catalyst fund. So how has the firm been doing under the COVID-19 pandemic? We have seen people shopping more online, certain types of consumer products, such as household products are very popular right now. Are you uh, still working on deals and how's that coming along despite the uh, fact that you can't go to as many meetings? We've been very active. I mean, we were actually talking about this as a team earlier. What we're really focused on is making sure that because of the blessing that we have of being able to work from home, we need to make sure that we're not just working 24 seven and making sure that work never ends because we are so busy and have the ability to be so busy in a virtual environment where we just closed on a transaction last Friday, not at liberty to disclose yet, but fully done in a virtual environment through Zoom, email, and otherwise. We'll close another one within the next two weeks, and as well as we have a couple that are on the sell side. So we've been really, been really active on that front despite COVID. And our our whole theme is always to, to think about evolution and always to, to be willing to do things differently than the way we used to do them and certainly different than the rest of the industry. The only thing I would add here is there's no playbook for navigating coronavirus. So we've tried to provide a lot of arms and legs to our portfolio company in, in really supporting them in doing so. And one of the most important things that we can do is continuing to support the community of our companies and making sure they're helping each other. So we've provided guidance to them around how to navigate some of the government loans like PPP and really been ahead of the curve. and discouraging them from pursuing those types of options. But in terms of how do you navigate challenging organizational questions? How do you ensure your employees are safe and healthy? How do you navigate a newly entirely remote environment? Some of the best solutions have come from our own companies. So one thing that we've really tried to double down on is making sure that they're constantly talking to each other. Okay, well, we're getting to the end of the podcast. We've really covered a lot of interesting ground with VMG, but I had one more question for Cassie. Tell us something about private equity that people may not know. (laughs) So I think uh, rightly or wrongly, private equity has a stereotype of using financial engineering, wiping out a team and throwing in your own people. And I would say just the things that VMG does couldn't be more opposite uh, from that stereotype. Namely, we really emphasize supporting the ecosystem. And that means not just our own companies, but the broader non-VMG founders and operators. And I think that has been a differentiator for us. I'll share one example. Candidates are very accustomed to working with recruiters and that conversation feeling incredibly transactional. Um, They only want to talk to you if you're interested in their job and if you're qualified for their job. We've, on the other hand, proactively gotten to know folks, often preferred that they're not looking, and we get to know them as a human, we get to know their career, we get to know their interests. And I would say that's been a big component of our success in building strong teams. Lily's and Velocity Snack Brands are two examples 
where most of the senior leadership team that we hired is the result of knowing those individuals for years, in some cases before I even joined VMG. So I would say that's probably one thing that is unexpected about private equity, but I would say it's a bit unique to VMG. And Wayne, you have anything else to add on that front? You know, I think that ecosystem approach is something that we've been very passionate about since the inception of VMG, which is one of our pet peeves is I think we believe we have an industry within private equity that's too deal focused and always on the perpetual hamster wheel of searching for next week's deal. And our philosophy is how do we support the broader ecosystem of entrepreneurs, strategics, and as applicable to retailers that help build and distribute these emerging brands. And if we help build that flywheel to go faster and bigger, the indirect outcome will be great investment opportunities for VMG. And as I mentioned earlier, our evolution where we are still extremely focused in our growth equity, where we've been most well-known, these product line extensions, quote unquote, if you will, of our roll-up platforms through our growth fund, but also our VMG Catalyst Fund, we take these same philosophies of an ecosystem-driven approach, and we're just really excited about where we're headed, what the opportunity set looks like in the decade to come, and the, the team that we have at VMG. And I think v- Cassie really highlights that in terms of just what she's been able to take and run with. You know, I think she's been very modest. When we came up with a job description of a talent team and a talent lead, we had no idea what that really would turn into. She wasn't replacing somebody else. She created the entire area for us and now has become just an amazing uh, differentiator for VMG and our portfolio companies and the ecosystem. And we're just blessed to have Cassie as well as the other great partners that we have at VMG and just so excited about the future to come. Well, thanks, Cassie Nielsen and Wayne Wu of VMG Partners. It's been a great interview. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us. This is Steve Jelsey with Behind the Buyouts.